0: It is great to be with you. Like I said there, and, and, and I say all the time, thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for your friendship, for being a part of my family, and uh, for allowing me to come here a few times a year and, uh, and speak with you. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know why that surprises me. Um, that was just a, a little update about the things that we were be able to accomplish. Um, this past year, but today I'm actually going to do a sermon. <laughs> Yay! And uh, and uh, because I want to um, just talk about a story that I love so much in Scripture, and I want to share that story with you. So if you have a Bible with you, I want you to turn to John, and we're going to read from John 4. And I'm just going to go through this, you know, verse by verse. It's going to be a great exegetical sermon but it's also going to be interesting so in john 4 starting in verse 1 now jesus learned that the pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than john although in fact it was not jesus who baptized but his disciples and so he left judea and he went back once more to galilee now he had to go through samaria Now, he had to go through Samaria. Now, we all know, we're going to stop right here, because we all know that he did not have to go through Samaria. Jesus was a self-respecting Jew, respected Jew, and Jews do not go through Samaria because as we all know, we hate Samarians. It all happened 722 years prior when the Assyrian king took over Samaria. And after the takeover, he kicked out a lot of the Jews and he brought in a lot of foreigners. Well, then what happened over the 722 years is that these foreigners and these Jews started getting married. This... Was a no no. This was wrong. In fact, it was so wrong that when your son or your daughter married a Sumerian, you would have a funeral for that person that day. You are now considered dead to me. Now, in marrying these foreigners, they began, to, uh, they began to develop their own theology. They believed in the first five books of the Bible Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Deuteronomy Numbers. And uh, and they began to believe. But they began to believe that these Bibles, when they talked about Abraham, Moses, Jacob, and Joseph, that these events took place on Mount Gerizim. Now, (laughs) we all know that these events did not take place on Mount Gerizim, but in fact, these events took place on Mount Sinai. And so they started to change the scriptures, they started to change the stories, they started to change everything to suit them. And so, as a result, the Jews hated the Samaritans. They hated the Samaritans so much so that to go from Judea to Galilee through Samaria would only take three days. But as I said before, not a self-respecting Jew would ever go through uh, through Samaria. In fact, instead, they would walk around Samaria through Jordan and follow the river. And this route would take them six days. This is how much they hated the Samaritans, that they would rather walk three more days so as to not have to accidentally bump in to one of those people. So when John says that Jesus had to go through Samaria, uh uh-uh, not true. What was he thinking? What is going on? Well, then we go to verse 5. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near a plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. All right. So it's noontime, and Jesus is at the well. It's in the heat of the day, and this woman would have had to have walked a half a mile to get to this well, even though though there was already a well in her hometown. So this woman walks half a mile to go to a well in the middle of the day where it is so hot, and she goes alone. Now, when you go to the well, you do not go to the well alone. First of all, you go to the well in the morning, or you go to the well in the evening when it's cool, but you don't go to the well alone. Instead, you go to the well with the other woman, This is your gossiping spot. This is like our Tim Hortons. This is where you go, and this is where you talk about other people. You do not go to the well alone. But this woman, she walks to a well half a mile outside of her town in the heat of the day, alone. Why would she do this? Well, the only conclusion that we could have is that she's an outcast. She was rejected. The other woman wanted nothing to do with her. She was living in some kind of shame. In fact, the woman at the other well, well, they were probably gossiping about her. Now, we don't know why she was an outcast, (laughs) but we will. So Jesus meets this woman, and he starts to have a conversation with her. V- verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to, the wo- to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. All right. All right. So we already talked about the fact that Jews do not associate with Ameri- the with, uh, Sam- Americans, with Samaritans, <laughs> with Samaritans. <laughs> ah, forgive me um, if you're American. Um, but Jews do not, Jews also, well, Jesus was a rabbi, and a self-respecting rabbi also does not talk to women. No self-respecting rabbi will talk to another woman. In fact, it was the rule that rabbis were not allowed to talk to women in public, not even their wife. In fact, most self-respecting rabbis would have a lot of bruises because as they were walking, if they happened to walk past a woman, they would close their eyes and at some point bump into a building or bump into a pole Self respecting rabbis have bruises because they will not even look at a woman. So here we are, not only is Jesus, not only is he talking to a Samaritan, no, 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 but he is talking to a woman, no, 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 no. What is he doing? What is going on? This is so wrong. Jesus answered her in verse 10, "'If you knew the gift of God "'and who it is that asks you for a drink, "'you would have asked him, "'and he would have given you living water. "'Sir,' the woman said, "'you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. "'The well is a hundred feet deep. "'Where can you get this living water? "'Are you greater than our father Jacob, "'who gave us the well and drank from himself, "'as did also his sons and his livestock?' So again, the Samaritan woman would have known the first five books of the Bible. So she knows both the literal and spiritual meaning of when Jesus talks about living water. And so she starts with a literal conversation because she brings up her father Jacob, which, of course, Jesus would have been extremely offended I mean, Jesus would have said, oh, no, 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 no. Don't you be calling him your father, Jacob. He is not your father. But Jesus lets her say what she has to say because it's not the conversation that he wants to have with her. Now, this living water, the literal meaning of living water is like a stream of running water. A well of living water is a well that gets its water from the stream. It's cool, it's fresh, it's good water. Now Jacob's well was a well that got its water from percolating in the soil. The water only came when there was rain. And so there was many times during drought that Jacob's well had no water. This well satisfied sometimes but not all the time. The woman asked Jesus, where is this living water? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Water is a source of life. We cannot survive without water. Now, growing up in Canada, I never understood what it meant to be without water because I never had that problem. But after spending enough time in the Dominican, I've seen so many people having to walk miles every day just to get water. Because without water, there is no life so when Jesus is talking about living water, he's talking into the figurative. Just like we are on the hunt for water to survive, we also are on the hunt for purpose and meaning, loving and acceptance. Jesus claims that he is the living water. As he says in John 7, let everyone who is thirsty come to me. Let everyone who is thirsty Come to me, come to me. As he says in Matthew 11, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so when Jesus talks about the yoke, he's talking about his teachings and he's talking about his love and he's talking about his acceptance. Take my yoke, learn my love and follow my teaching, and you will find rest. You will never thirst again. How many of us are searching for this living water, searching for for meaning, for significance? searching for acceptance, searching for love. We search for a water that satisfies, and yet the water we find is the water that comes from Jacob's well. Satisfies for a moment, but only a moment. And so it is that we continue to search more. Jesus says, let everyone who is thirsty come me and drink. Whoever believes in me and follows my teaching as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And so the woman in verse 15 says to him, sir give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to come, have to keep coming to draw from this, uh, to, to draw water. And then and then Jesus does what I think is the unthinkable. If I did What Jesus does right here, you would not have me back. In fact, you would send me hate mail. You would would be disgusted with me. I might not even be allowed back in the country. I don't know. I might not want to come back because of all the hate that will come at me. Jesus does the unthinkable. He goes straight for her juggler. He reveals her secret. He told her, go. Call your husband and come back. She says, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you're with now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Boom! There it is! This woman is scandalous! But wait a minute, what is going on? Not only is Jesus talking to a Samaritan, not only is Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman, but now we've learned that Jesus is talking to a scandalous Samaritan woman and what makes it even worse, he knew it all along. What in the world is going on but he is someone who breaks all cultural barriers and he offers grace and love to all people as Paul writes in Galatians neither Jew nor Gentile neither slave nor free there is no male or female you are all one in Christ Jesus and Jesus meets the scandalous Samaritan woman, and he says to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you have right now is not your husband. Now, we don't know what happened to the five husbands. We don't know what's going on with the man that she's with right now. But we do discover why she's an outcast, why she's an outcast in her society, and why she is going at noon in the heat of the day to the well alone. She was a woman living in shame. Man, I am so glad it was Jesus that met this woman at the well. Because unfortunately, unfortunately, if it was you or I, we probably would have shamed her too. We would have said something like, hey, you know what? I do want to talk to you. But before I do, what I need you to do is I need you to go back and, and break up with this guy, whatever you have going on right now, and repent of all things. And then when you've done all that, man, I would be so excited if you come back to me because I really want to talk to you about living water. I am so glad that she got to meet Jesus at the well Because Jesus didn't shame her. Jesus simply showed her love. There's a woman by the name of Brené Brown. She's a vulnerability shame expert. She has fascinating things to say about shame and vulnerability. And I would encourage you, you know, look her up, read what she has to say about shame and vulnerability, but basically, if you don't want to, I'll let you know right now. Basically, she says that we have to stop shaming each other. Shaming never brings us freedom. If you shame me, what that causes me to do is to go into my shell. What that causes me to do is to never ever want to share with you again. What this causes me to do is to run as far away as possible and never come back to this place again. I've already been shamed. I already know what it means to be lonely. I don't need your shame as well. Jesus talks to this woman at the point of her vulnerability. He talks to her about the pain that she has been hiding. And Jesus loves her, and he talks to her. When we're allowed to be vulnerable with each other, when we learn how to be vulnerable with each other, When I learn how to be vulnerable with you, knowing that you will not shame me, then I can begin to reveal to you the truths that are on my heart. I can tell you when I'm struggling, I can tell you when I'm not struggling, and I know that you're not going to shame me, which means I can begin to live in the freedom of being honest and open And as a result, allow you to challenge me, knowing that you will accept me no matter what and that you are going to walk alongside me no matter what. And this, this is what Jesus does for this woman. Verse 19, sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Do you see what she did there? She changed the subject. (laughs) But as we go on, we're gonna see what Jesus did. He let her. He did not take control of the situation he allowed her to have a conversation with him and he had an honest conversation with her woman Jesus replied believe me a time is coming the proper Greek word used for the time is coming is the hour and whenever Jesus talks about the hour he's talking about his death Jesus saying, a time is coming where we, wor- where-, where we worship is irrelevant because God is spirit and God is not confined to a place. He is not confined to a thing. God is with us. Everywhere we go, where everywhere we are, we can stop right there and worship him. And her response is this. I mean, seriously, I can't believe that she's still even talking to him. But her response is this woman said I know that Messiah called Christ is coming and when he comes he will explain everything to us I think at this point she's kind of like just like brushing him off right like yeah 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 I know that the Messiah is coming and when he comes he'll reveal everything to us but then but then what Jesus says next is astounding then Jesus declared I The one who you are speaking to am he. Okay. So here's why this is the coolest thing ever. Jesus is talking to a Samaritan. No, 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 no. Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman. No, 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 no. Jesus is talking to a scandalous Samaritan woman. This is wrong and yet this is Scandalous Samaritan woman is the first person in history that Jesus verbally revealed himself to. Others have, compl- have, have proclaimed it, others had said it, and this is the first time that Jesus confirmed it out loud to a scandalous Samaritan woman. And then in verse 27, but then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking to a woman. But no one asked, what are you doing? Or why are you talking to her? Because quite frankly, I think at this point, what's the point? You know, I think they've gotten to the point where they're just not going to be surprised by anything. Because Jesus was constantly challenging the culture. He was challenging the culture of the Jews. He was challenging the culture of the Samaritans. He was challenging the people who are shamed. And he was challenging the people who were doing the shaming. Because in God, there is a gift. And that gift is grace. God loves you. He is offering you living water, and if you accept the love that God has for you, your life is going to change, because you no longer have to live in your shame. You no longer have to live in your guilt. You no longer have to live in your regret, because you are now free in Christ, because you are drinking from this living water. Then leaving her water, her leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. And of course the people would have responded, everybody knows everything that you ever did. We talk about it at the well. But then they would have looked at her and said, wait a minute, look at her. She's not telling us this in shame. She's actually excited. Now here is the other amazing part of this story. Not only is this scandalous Samaritan woman the first person that it was that Jesus ever revealed himself to but this scandalous Samaritan woman becomes the first preacher and evangelist of Jesus Christ and this woman she goes back to her Samaritan town and she tells everybody about Jesus and the love that Jesus showed her. You know what she could have done? She could have gone back and she could have said, hey, I met a man who loves me and this guy, he don't think too much about you because you all, oh, there's children here, because you all are not nice. But she doesn't do that. She doesn't do that at all. Instead, she goes with the same love that Jesus extended to her, she goes back to them and she extends that same love. Because I believe, I believe when she looks at what she just experienced, she's thinking if Jesus can change me, Jesus can change them too. She becomes the first preacher an evangelist in the world for Jesus Christ. If we skip a few verses, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more people became believers. And they said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior. A scandalous Samaritan woman changed a town for the love of Jesus. You know the Jews, they refused to walk through Samaria. They would rather walk another three days so as to not have to run into a Samaritan. They wanted to keep God to themselves. They believed that God loved them but that God did not love the Samaritans. That the Samaritans did not matter to God. But Jesus shows us that everybody matters. If Jesus can love this scandalous woman, this scandalous Samaritan woman, then certainly he can love you and I. I mean, if she was here today, she would say it. She would say, it's true, it's true. I thought I was pathetic because everybody told me that I was pathetic. But if Jesus can love me, Jesus can love you too. There are people here today that feel maybe a bit or a lot like this scandalous woman. That we're living in our shame we're living in our regrets, and we feel that if people truly know the truth about us, that we will be rejected and that we'll be made to walk to the well alone. As we begin 2023, may we discover the love of Jesus May we stop allowing the shame to hold us back from being everything that God created us to be. May we begin to believe that we matter. May you begin to believe that you matter. May we know that we are loved and that we are accepted by Jesus and that if we walk and that we can walk with our heads held high and extend that love that Jesus has given to us, we can extend that love to every person that comes across our path. May you know that you are loved. But then, there might be some of us here today that are the shamers. We look down on people who don't walk our walk. We talk about the people who disgust us, and although we won't say it out loud, we talk to them about them as if they are deserving of hell. And we do not allow them to come to the well with us, but instead we make them go to the well alone so that we could talk to them at our well. May we begin to realize that every person who walks this earth matters. Every person is loved by God. Our shame is what is holding them back from being who they truly are, a child loved by God. And until they know that they are loved by God, they will always live in their shame. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And then it goes on to say, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, but to save it through him. And my challenge to you is, if God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, then he also hasn't called any one of us to condemn either. In fact, I promise you that you will discover more joy in your walk with Christ when you give up this burden that comes from judgment and simply love the way Jesus loved this Samaritan woman Because I believe the love and the teachings of Jesus can change our world. The love and the teaching of Jesus can change ourselves, our family, our society, our church, our country, our world. I believe the love and the teachings of Jesus can change the world. Because everyone matters. And that God gives us the ability to change the world with him. To accept his love and then the opportunity to extend that love to every person that we come across. Everybody matters. That through our words and through our actions, all people will know that they are loved. And so, may 2023 be the year that everyone will know that we are followers of Jesus because of the love that we have for each other. Amen.